Um, well, good morning, everyone. Uh, it's great to be back. My name's Gavin, and I, I pastor Gregory Hills Anglican. I'm Jono's assistant, and um, it's wonderful to be back here this morning. Not the best reason. Um, Ben's vomiting, and he's not well, very unwell. Um, please keep him in your prayers. It's a confirmation service tonight at Night Church. Um, so pray for Ben during my sermon, if you like, um, that, he, that he kind of comes good enough to be able to, to, be able to get to church and, and make all that happen. Uh, that'd be really good. Uh, so this morning, I'm going to preach a one-off. You're not going to miss any of Galatians. Just want you to know that. Ben's going to preach. Ben had planned to preach a, um, a longer sermon on Galatians next week at Night Church because they won't be looking at Galatians tonight in lieu of the confirmation. The bishop's preaching tonight. So Ben was planning to preach a longer sermon on Galatians next week anyway, so he'll preach that here, and he'll preach that at Night Church as well. So you'll cover that section of Galatians 4, 8 to 5, 1 uh, next week from Ben. But only if you pray, right? <laughs> uh, pray for Ben. That'll be really good. Um, I'm preaching on disability this morning. Uh, we're going to think about uh, disability Think about disability in the church. Think about uh, God's view of people with disabilities. And I think that'll be a helpful thing to reflect on. And I think it's something that uh, touches much more of us than we realise. And I um, will come to God in prayer now and ask you to join me in, in, in praying to him and asking for his help. Uh, gracious Lord and Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you so much uh, for all people Uh, All people, all tribes, all nations, uh, all abilities. Father, we thank you for all people that you have made uh, precious in your image. Uh, Lord, now, as we think about um, disability and we think about disability uh, theologically, we we try to think about it how you think about it. Uh, Help us to have open hearts, uh, to to listen carefully, uh, to think hard, and so that we might be more like Christ um, in the way that we think about uh, all people and in the way that we love and care for um, um, people with disabilities. Uh, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I think there's three um, big questions that need thinking about and answering on uh, this topic. So three questions. That's two more than I usually like to deal with in one sermon, but let's, we can do it. Uh, three questions. The first one is, what is disability exactly? Which isn't often particularly clear, what disability is. How does Jesus respond to people with disabilities is the second question. And then thirdly, therefore, if Jesus responds like that, how should I respond uh, to people with disabilities and to how should I think about uh, disability? So here's a boring definition to get out of the way nice and early while you're still fresh at the start of the sermon. Now, the International Classification of Functioning Disability and Health defines disability as the umbrella term for impairments, Activity limitations, participation restrictions, referring to the negative aspects of the interaction between an individual, the person with a health condition, and that individual's contextual factors, environment and personal factors. So what's really important to draw out of that complicated statement is disability is a combination of a health condition but also the environment into which that person with a health condition is placed. Okay, so it's a combination of those two things that creates disability. Um, so the context and the, the uh, situation that we're in here is Sydney 2017. That's really important to think about as we think through um, disability because that's, that's our culture. That's our context. 
the people with disabilities in our city, in our church, are in is Sydney 2017. What's Sydney 2017 like? Well, very individualistic, very materialistic, very success-driven. So we celebrate people who succeed in the sporting arena, succeed in terms of being able to make a lot of money and that kind of thing. We celebrate that. Uh, we don't celebrate people who aren't successful in those particular ways uh, in our culture, and that matters for people with disability. Um, and our culture is very body conscious as well. Uh, we care a lot about our conscious. I, there's like four health clubs in Gregory Hills. It's, there's no shop. There's not a Coles, but there's four gyms. <laughs> I'm not kidding. It's incredible. I'm not exaggerating. Four gyms. Uh, in Gregory Hills already, and um, no shops to get food from. <laughs> Just work out till you die. Um, so the result of being in this city is that even those with mild disabilities are often severely handicapped by the environment that they're in. So there's two words I've used there, disability and handicap, the two different words. So disability can be, is that definition an inability or a restriction to be able to do a certain thing, but in a, in a particular environment, we might be handicapped or not, given that particular health condition. Uh, and, that, and we're going to talk a bit more about the difference between disability and handicap in just a moment as we go on. I'll give you a good example. So according to the Australian Institute in Health and Welfare, 20% of Australians have what society will refer to as a disability of some kind. Most disabilities are due to old age. As we get old, our bodies start to not work as well as they used to, and we have disabilities. We can't do things the way we'd like to and the way we ought we used to. Uh, in a lifetime, the great majority of us, if not all of us, will be forced to cope with a disability of some kind at some point in time. If you need any assistance to walk, you have a disability. Has anyone ever been on crutches? then you had a disability or you might still be on crutches or need a walking stick or a walking frame or a wheelchair, you have a disability. If you need any assistance to hear, you have a disability. If you need any assistance to see, you have a disability. People wear glasses have a disability. Jono, Jenny, Matthew and James have a disability. My father has hearing aids. My daughter, Edith, she's three, she has hearing aids. They have disabilities. But given glasses and hearing aids, they're not handicapped because they can see just fine and they can hear just fine. So they're not handicapped because they have glasses, have seeing aids and hearing aids, but they do have a disability because they need help to be able to see. Does that make sense? That's the difference. Um... Does it make you feel uncomfortable when I say Jono and Jenny and Matthew and James have a disability? I wonder if you feel a little bit uncomfortable, a little bit squirmy. When I say Edie, my cute little daughter, has a disability, I wonder if it makes you feel a little bit uncomfortable at all. I wonder if you'd feel equally as uncomfortable if I said Jono has brown hair and he's quite tall. Does that make you feel uncomfortable? Well, probably not. So why... Do we feel a little bit uncomfortable when we talk about disability? Um, given hearing aids, Edie isn't handicapped. She'll be just fine when she gets to school. 
uh, because of her hearing aids and because she has uh, speech pathology to help her learn to speak well. But there's no shortage of people who have more severe disabilities who find themselves seriously handicapped uh, in our culture and in our context, especially in our society. Now, the reason you might feel a little bit uncomfortable or a little bit squirmy when I talk about disability and say Jono has a disability and brown hair and he's quite tall um, is that of the, it's because of the stigma, the stigma surrounding disability in our city and in our culture and in our context. Our individualistic, materialistic, success-driven, body-conscious culture, which places stigma on people with disabilities. People with disabilities are often pushed to the margins of society because they can't produce materially. If they aren't successful in the sporting arena or the world of commerce or academically, they're marginalised, they're pushed to the side. Our culture often excludes and rejects those with disabilities and the tragedy of it is that often our churches do the same thing. We marginalise and push people with disabilities to the side and don't consider them carefully enough. Uh, my wife, Lara, is an occupational therapist and she was uh, contracted by the diocese to assess church buildings for accessibility for people with disabilities. Uh, she looked at lots of different churches and most of the, almost all, every, every minister but one, every minister but one was great and um, said, yes, yes, we need to do some things, we need to do some things, that's very great, we need ramps, we need accessible toilets and that kind of thing. It was really helpful. One minister did say, we don't have any people in a wheelchair in our church, so we don't need an accessible toilet right now. You never will have anyone <laughs> in a wheelchair in your church because you don't have an accessible toilet right now. Um, that can be the attitude. There was only one person, thankfully. Often, fortunately, we don't understand many disabilities as much as we could or should. So the reason for marginalisation of those with disability is quite likely the lack of understanding leads to an inability to relate, and so we reject. I can't relate to you, so I'm just going to go over here. Um, Hans Reinders is an advocate for ministry to those with disability. He believes Christians often just reflect their culture in the way, too, they marginalise those with disabilities. So on the, on the screen here, we've got... Sorry, go back one. Thanks, Trevor. Uh, we've got the test of a welcoming church for people with disabilities. Um, and this... Yeah, are we lacking understanding, therefore finding it hard to relate, therefore just rejecting um, people with disabilities? Are we doing the hard work to try to understand and try to relate to and try to um, meet people with disabilities where they're at? Next slide. Thanks, Trevor. Um, Reinders says in his article that we as Christians often just reflect our culture in the way we marginalise those with disabilities. Consequently, their presence in our churches is the exception rather than the rule. Um, there's a fundamental question of human being that forms a foundation of our understanding for the proper place of those with disabilities at God's great banquet table. Which brings us to our first point. The, first, the points are actually shorter than the intro. It brings us to our first point. People with disabilities are people. You can take notes on your handout if you want. You have to scratch out all the... I got the call up kind of yesterday morning, so there's no outline for my talk, but you can write notes if you want, of course. Um, so firstly, people with disabilities are people. God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. So our first point is people with disabilities are people. 
People are human beings grown in the womb of a woman and they're people, they're persons at the point of conception. That's our belief as Christians. Persons at the point of conception. And this is the first point of friction when we think about people with disability in our culture and in our context. Peter Singer is the most highly regarded Australian human ethicist. If you want to think about ethics and morality, go to this guy, says Australia. Please don't go to this guy, and I'll tell you why. He believes that humans are not people until they are born, and even then, a person is, I quote, a being with awareness of her or his own existence over time and the capacity to have wants and plans for the future. A being with awareness of your existence over time, a growing awareness, and the capacity to have wants and plans for the future. And if you can't do that, not a person. Okay? Unborn baby, not a person. Person with a severe intellectual disability who can't plan for the future, not a person, according to Australia's leading ethicist. You have to have a certain intelligence and ability for rational thought in order to be human in the eyes of our country's leading ethicist. As such, a person, according to pop culture, has been born of a woman and can think rationally. Singer believes that dolphins have more right to life than unborn babies and people with severe intellectual disabilities because they have a certain intelligence. That's scary. What's God think? God says, a person is knit together in their mother's womb by him. You created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Woven together by God, carefully, every single person, no matter what, from the very beginning of existence. And as such, every person is a person in every sense of the word. People are people in the womb and out of it. People are people whether they have an intellectual disability or not. All people are created in God's image, and as such, God's mission, and therefore the church's mission, is to all people, including those with profound disability. All people made by God in his image, all people made for God, his mission being to reconcile them to himself through his son. Second point. People with disabilities are sinful and broken, just like everybody else. It's interesting that we see in Leviticus, uh, there's priests in Leviticus, they've got disabilities, clearly, and they're considered unclean. So this is interesting. interesting. Interesting piece of the puzzle we need to have as we think about how God thinks about people with disabilities. So Levitical priesthood, the priests with disabilities are considered unclean, because they have a defect, and as such, they're excluded from worship in the temple. Look at uh, this passage from Leviticus on the screen. The Lord said to Moses, Say to Aaron, For the generations to come, none of your descendants who has a defect may come near to offer the food of his God. 
No man who has any defect may come near, no man who is blind or lame, disfigured or deformed, no man with a crippled foot or hand, or who is a hunchback or a dwarf, or who has an eye defect, or who has festering or running sores or damaged testicles. No descendant of Aaron the priest who has any defect is to come near to present the food offerings to the Lord. He has a defect. He must not come near to offer the food of his God. God is a holy God, set apart, perfect in every way, and as such demands that only those without blemish may enter the temple to make the sacrifices. There's a recognition by the Bible here that those with a disability are less than perfect, less than whole, and as a result excluded from the temple. You may be well aware that any animal sacrifice offered as a sacrifice had to be without blemish, spotless, the cream of the crop. But look at the next bit. The same priest with the defect. He may eat the most holy food of his God as well as the holy food, yet because of his defect he must not go near the curtain or approach the altar and so desecrate my sanctuary. I am the Lord who makes them holy. So clearly the priest with a disability is not excluded from God's people, not even excluded from the priesthood, just excluded from taking the food to the temple to make the sacrifices. There's a duty of care in treating God in his holiness and a seamlessness of inclusion with those who have disabilities, with those who have none, within the household of God. There's a recognition also by the Bible here that those with a disability are to be loved and cared for and looked after. There's a seamless inclusion. God works powerfully in biblical history to be inclusive of all who would obey him. Wonderfully, he works powerfully through those who are weak, often in the Old Testament. He works powerfully through those who are weak, demonstrating that it's he that is strong. It's upon him that all must depend. Moses had a speech impediment. And he went to Pharaoh several times and demanded that, God, that he release God's people from Egypt. And he did. Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, was crippled. Descendant of King Saul, lame in both feet. And in 2 Samuel, David finds himself cast out of the kingdom. And Mephibosheth finds himself seated at David's table, King David. Paul describes himself, the Apostle Paul describes himself as having a thorn in his side, describes himself as being the worst of sinners, inarticulate, unimpressive. Look what God did through him. Building churches, building the Bible, saving many. The vindication of the weak is seen many times in Israel's history, but ultimately in the Father's Son, Jesus, physically disabled as he hung on that cross, nailed to the cross, flogged, beaten, unrecognisable, says Isaiah, as a human being, because he was so beaten. It's upon the cross, the submission of God's one and only Son, fully God himself, to the authorities of that day, the Father demonstrates his power through weakness, his greatest demonstration of power in all history is through the seeming weakness of a man. 
Jesus' death on the cross plays prelude to God's ultimate act of power, the resurrection. Striking power is most strikingly revealed through this stark demonstration of weakness. Third point, people with disabilities are welcomed by Jesus. Spectacularly, Jesus' life, more poignantly, his death and resurrection, is the way in which he not only welcomes people with disabilities, but cleanses them from the inside out. In spite of their uncleanness, their unholiness, they're perfectly cleansed by Jesus' blood. Jesus brings healing and Jesus brings cleansing. Look at Matthew 8, 1-4 on the screen. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. What should have happened? When you touch someone who has leprosy, you get leprosy normally. He reached out and touched the man. I'm willing, he said, be clean. Immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. Then Jesus said to him, See that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. He's forced to live alone because of his uncleanness. But in touching the man, Jesus is not made unclean. He's made clean. In Christ, the dividing wall that we saw in Leviticus between the inner temple and the priests who couldn't go in is destroyed. It's removed. It's taken away in Christ. And those with disabilities sit shoulder to shoulder with the able-bodied at God's great banquet table. Jesus brings cleansing and healing. Look at Mark 2, the story of the paralyzed man. You probably know it. A man came to Jesus. I'm going to paraphrase. A man came to Jesus. He was paralyzed. His friends made an opening in the ceiling and they lowered him in the middle. Imagine that happening today. Imagine this place was chockers out the doors, right? Full. And some guys climbed up the outside and dug a hole through the middle and the heaters didn't fall in. Don't panic. They made a hole and they lowered this guy in and Jesus is right in the middle there preaching to this big crowd. And they lower this guy down and he's paralyzed. He can't walk. And what does Jesus do for him? What's the obvious thing to do for him, right? Make him walk. He says... Your sins are forgiven. He heals a man's sins. Why? I can't understand it. Which is easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat and walk, says Jesus. I want you to know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Imagine it. Seriously. Someone in our midst who cannot walk. And Jesus says, get up. And he gets up. He got up. He took his mat and he walked out. This amazed everyone, not surprisingly. Everyone praised God saying we've never seen anything like this. Jesus brings forgiveness as a priority to the man who is paralysed. That's the priority, isn't it? It's in Christ that we realise we're all weak, we're all poor, 
We're all disabled spiritually. All of us. All humanity is broken and in need of spiritual restoration because of sin. Jesus recognizes that everyone's greatest need is forgiveness of sins. Sin is the great equalizer of humanity. We're all equal at that level. No one is good, not even one, says Paul in Romans 3.10. You can walk and talk and hear and see without the aid of anything. That's great. That's a blessing. It is. But you're still riddled with sin and destined for destruction without forgiveness from Jesus. We're all disabled spiritually without Jesus. Or more than that, we're all dead spiritually without Jesus. When the paralyzed man's brought to him, he forgives his sins as of first priority, but he also heals his legs. Jesus sees those with disabilities rightful place at God's great banquet table in heaven. So here we are at Luke 14. We see people with disabilities are included by Jesus. The command of the Pharisees in Luke 14, 13, to forego having their family over for dinner in lieu of the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, quickly gives way to Jesus' parable of the great banquet. Those impressive in society were invited first but said they're too busy. When you ask someone how they're going these days, what do they tell you nine times out of ten? Busy. Yeah, just busy. So busy. Are we too busy to enjoy God's great banquet given to us in Jesus? I remember when I was at college, a good friend's back suddenly gave way. He couldn't walk for three days. He laid in bed and he said, it was awful and great. He laid there and he read his Bible and he prayed and he couldn't do much else. And he said it was terrific. His physical disability actually made his spiritual life flourish. Enabled all the more spiritually because of his physical disability. The rich and able bodied in the parable are too busy for the banquet. So it's the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame who come. It's those with disabilities who are welcomed to God's great banquet in heaven simply because they recognize their need and accept this free gift. It's those with disabilities that belong at God's great banquet on earth. The church. This is God's great banquet. God's great gathering. The church. We're called as Christ's fellow workers not just to serve, but to serve sacrificially. You see, people with severe disabilities can't give back in the way that our society values. They possibly can't shout your lunch for helping them out. They might not be able to go jogging or riding or to one of the four gyms in Gregory Hills with you. Often, though, people with disabilities, especially severe disabilities, in my experience, help us see our true human state and serve us in ways highly valued by God. Humbled 
By their physical limitations, they're blessed with the gift of knowing how to depend on other people and God. It's an enormous step in the right direction of putting your trust in Jesus is to recognise how to depend on others. Recognise you need God's help in the first step so you can submit to his rule. One of the greatest opponents of the gospel in Australia is materialism. It's the industrial revolution which renders people thinking that they have no needs. They're wealthy and the concept of needing anything from anyone else is ridiculous. They have all they need. They certainly don't need forgiveness of sins. I think in our culture, we're often pretty stingy when it comes to being generous. I think in our church, we're not. I think our church is an exception to the rule in our culture. I think our church is very generous in many ways. And lately, more and more, fostering children. That seems to be a growing trend at Harrington Park Anglican. That's great. What a generous thing to do, to foster kids. I think it's an amazing act of generosity. I was talking to Phil Burge the other day. And you know what? He wasn't telling me how generous they've been. He was telling me how much they've received from Danny. What a blessing he's been to them. How much joy he's brought to them. How much love they've received from this little guy who doesn't have a high school education, he's not particularly wealthy. They've received so much joy from this guy. Now, as for receiving generosity from others, I think we're just about as sucky as our culture around at it, generally speaking. Accepting generosity is not always our strong suit because we're wealthy. We don't want people, we don't want to, oh, I don't want to put you out, we say to someone when they offer to cook us a meal. We're, we're all good. I'm all good, we say, when someone offers to mow our lawn for us when we're doing it tough. Oh, we're, yeah, we're doing it pretty tough at the moment, but, you know, we'll be right. We'll get through it. It's okay, we say. Instead of just accepting generosity. Instead of just depending. Uh, we're joy stealers. Do you realise that? We steal people's joy when we don't let them be generous. We take away the ability for them to have the joy of giving when we say no thanks. We're joy stealers. <laughs> Terrible joy stealers. They want the joy of cooking for us. They want the joy of mowing our lawn. They want the joy of doing some groceries for us or something, and we steal their joy. If we struggle to accept something as small as getting our the front lawn mowed for us or some groceries done for us or a meal cooked, how are we going to go at accepting something as enormous as forgiveness of sins and eternal life with Jesus? How are we going to go depending on Christ for eternal life when we struggle to depend on our friends for some spag bowl? In the face of a holy God, we're not strong, we're not impressive, we're weak jars of clay in desperate need. And people with disabilities are a long way towards understanding that they must depend on Jesus and accept help. Just doing life, and particularly doing life in an individualistic, materialistic, success-driven, body-conscious society is plenty enough to humble them. 
They can teach the able-bodied how to be weak and dependent, how to be humble if we just approach them and meet them like Jesus does. What handicaps them from serving others is being marginalised by the able-bodied. They lose their voice, they lose their ability to teach us how to humbly come before God because they're marginalised. Lara and I have a dear friend named Maddie from a previous church. She has cerebral palsy. She needs a wheelchair to get around. She needs assistance to toilet. She needs assistance to prepare a meal. Her condition means that her speech is a little bit slurred. So you have to slow down and listen carefully. But when you listen, you discover a most profound dependence and love for Jesus. When you listen, you discover this extraordinary love for others in Maddie. An immense joy in life, despite the frustration of her disability. And it is frustrating for her. She finds it frustrating. But she finds great joy in knowing God as well. She longs for Jesus to return. And that strengthens her faith daily. And she longs to meet her Lord face to face. Longs for those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Get up and walk and talk clearly. She longs for that day. To be truly human as God intends is to recognise you are weak and dependent on Jesus. In meeting people with disabilities and offering them the gift of friendship, we're offered the key to our true humanity in return. The most human act we can commit, just to conclude, the most human act we can commit is to recognise our great need for God and our true need for one another. The moment of wonder, then, is when we see someone in a wheelchair or with a profound intellectual disability, but we don't see the wheelchair. We don't see the profound intellectual disability. We just see a person, a human, a human sinner like me in desperate need of Jesus. How do we welcome those with disabilities? Well, we don't. Jesus does. Jesus welcomes them along with anyone else who consider themselves weak and dependent and in need of a saviour. When you see yourself shoulder to shoulder with any other and every other human being, a sinner, broken, in need of Jesus, that's when all barriers are torn down between you and them. The moment of wonder is when judgment's removed from your eyes and heart and when we look upon one another as people in need of Jesus. So what have we learned? Disability is a combination of a health condition and the environment around them. That environment might include you. You might be a person with a disability or know a person with a disability. We've learned that Jesus warmly welcomes people with a disability. 
We've learned that we are all in the business of following our Lord Jesus' lead and loving one another no matter what. You might be able to walk and see, you might not. But it's God who's building his church, who's welcoming broken sinners with disabilities and broken sinners without disabilities. We've learned that people with disabilities are a great blessing to our church. They teach us how to depend, how to depend on God. We need to get alongside these people and learn about them and learn from them, all the while recognising our quality with them, not only as human beings, but equally as sinners. We are all sinners, no matter our able-bodiedness, in desperate need of God's forgiveness, which is given freely through Christ. Let me pray. Gracious Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you for all of your creation. We thank you that all people are made wonderfully in your image, right from the very start, just how you want them to be. Father, we, as we look at one another, we, we pray that we look with indiscriminate eyes. We look with eyes that see a person wonderfully made by you, no matter what the circumstances about their health condition and their environment. Help us to love one another and care for one another and include one another. Protect us from marginalising anyone for any reason. May we be very, may we be inclusive as, as Christ is. Lord, we long for the day and we look forward to the day when we're all seated around your great banquet table in heaven praising you, living with Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen.